People have been listening to my show even though I haven't been putting out episodes. That's interesting. Thank you for listening. I hope everybody's caught up. If not, and if by chance this is the first time you're listening to my episodes, welcome and let's catch you up to speed. Last year, a lot of crazy things happened. I know, right? Crazy. Things like doctors being censored left and right and left and right and then left and right again and then a little bit left and right again. They got so censored that a lawsuit, a couple lawsuits happened. They won each time. And yet we don't hear about that on the media. Your reporters from mainstream media don't report the news. They read from a script. Now where was I? Oh yes. The doctors. As I recall, first we had Dr. Thomas Cowan. He stepped forward, he was giving a class. Maybe the class just regularly records. I don't know, somebody was recording. And they recorded him giving a speech about what was going on with the COVID thing. It was right in the beginning. He went hard, you should look for that speech. Next thing that came up was two doctors. They came forward and they said, what the heck is going on? Why are we being incentivized to count deaths as COVID deaths? And even the White House admitted it. You see, the thing is, is that they were given the option on their paperwork to get rewarded a couple thousand bucks per death that they counted as a COVID death. Now, of course, there's no proof that they lied about anything, right? Because if you were to prove that that would be incriminating the doctor and yeah so of course you know can probably guess that a good many of them did lie one person even got marked as a covid death dying from gunshot how about that ridiculous then let's see who else stepped forward judy mikovitz and andrew kaufman both medical doctors no excuse me i think uh judy mikovitz has a phd and of course we had um, Zach Bush, Dr. Zach Bush, awesome guy. Uh, Dr. Scott Jensen, who is also a sitting senator. Dr. Uh, uh, how could I forget? Dr. Batar, Rashid Batar, medical doctor. He was also in the uh, special forces, I believe it was. And then they started just popping out of everywhere. Doctors, thousands of doctors. Very much coming out of the woodwork. A global assortment got together and started talking about how we have a cure, two cures, HCQ, which is hydroxychloroquine, and ivermectin, 
which have been FDA approved for one of them has been FDA, FDA approved for at least 60 years well I think we're all caught up now just a reminder thank you 3 plus I know you are I am too that's why I became the mystic man actually because I love you you much aloha and to my listeners it's good to be back Thank you for listening. I hope you're having a splendid, wonderful day. Now let's talk about some cures. Mr. Chairman, uh, thank you uh, for having this hearing. Uh, We've heard from a lot of witnesses from you today and others previously about the very important potential of 5G technology. It promises to bring us a new era of connectivity with internet speeds as much as five times faster than what we have today with much lower latency, and that's all a good thing. But uh, 5G, as you well know, also uses higher frequency waves that don't travel as far and will rely on a network of hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of small cell sites. And the question then is, are there any health implications, any public safety implications to those additional sites that are likely to be located close to homes, schools, workplaces, and closer and closer to the ground. Correct? Correct, Senator. Yes. So in December of 2018, I sent a letter to FCC Commissioner Carr asking him to cite for me recent scientific studies demonstrating the safety of this technology. What research has been done? Where has it been published and compiled? He has essentially failed to do so and just echoed the general statements of the FDA, which shares regulatory responsibility for cell phones with the FCC. If you go to the FDA website, pretty unsatisfactory. Uh, There basically uh, is a cursory and superficial citation to existing scientific data saying, quote, the FDA has urged the cell phone industry to take a number of steps, including support additional research on possible biological effects of radio frequency fields for the type of signal emitted by cell phones. Uh, I believe that Americans deserve to know what the health effects are, not to prejudge what scientific studies may show, and uh, they deserve also a commitment to do the research on outstanding questions. So my question for for you, particularly Mr. Gillen and Mr. Perry, um, how much money has the industry committed to supporting additional independent research, I stress independent research. Is that independent research ongoing? Has any been completed? Where can consumers look for it? Um, And we're talking about research on the biological effects of this new technology. 
Thank you, Senator. I, I think, uh, thank you for your focus on the issue. Uh, safety is paramount, and as you alluded to, we rely on the expert agencies, we rely on the findings of the FDA and others as to the requirements to keep all of us safe. Uh, there are no industry back studies, to my knowledge right now. Happy to visit with you as to what uh, opportunities you think there needs to be more studies, and we're always for more science. We also rely on what the scientists tell us. So essentially, the answer to my question, how much money, zero. Uh, I can certainly follow up with you, Senator. To my knowledge, there's no active studies being backed by industry today. Anybody else know of industry commitments to, to back research, fund it, support it, to ascertain scientifically the health effects? Senator, I'm not aware uh, either, but uh, I do know that with small cells especially, you're going to have lower power levels. And, of course, as, as from a carrier perspective, you want to be able to manage interference so that that interference is the lowest uh, interference possible. So I would, I would think that some of those studies or some of that information could be utilized in, um, in looking at the health consequences, but no, I'm not aware of any. So there really is no research ongoing. We're kind of flying blind here so far as health and safety is concerned. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, thank you. I walked through a county courthouse square, and on a park bench, an old man was sitting there. I said, your old courthouse is kind of run down. He said, oh, that'll do for our little town. I said, your old flagpole's kind of leaned a little bit, and that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat, and I sat down. Is this the first time you've come to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it got powder burned the night Francis Scott Key set up watching it right in, uh, say, can you see? Got a little rip in New Orleans with Packenham and Jackson tugging at it, seems. It almost fell at the Alamo beside the Texas flag, but she waved on, though. It got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville. Got cut again at Shiloh Hill. There was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard, and Bragg, and the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag. On Flanders Field in World War I, she took a bad hit from a Bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War II. She hung limp and low by the time that one was through. She was in Korea, Vietnam, she went where she was sent by her Uncle Sam. The Native American Indians, the blacks, the yellow, the white, all shed red blood for the stars and stripes. And in her own good land here, she's been abused. She's been burned, dishonored, denied, refused. And the very government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land. And she's getting threadbare. And she's wearing kind of thin. But she's in good shape for the shape she's in. Because she's been through the fire before, and she can take a whole lot more. So we raise her up every morning, and we bring her down slowly every night. We don't let her touch the ground, and we fold her upright. 
On second thought, I guess I do like to brag. Because I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag. Well, I am pissed. The fuck off. Just like I should be. You're damn right I'm mad. Well, I'm pissed. Pissed. Yeah, heated. Back in much magazine got censored, deleted. Freedom of speech. Check out the gift of gab. Better do you want to do a gambling man? I'm pissed. Check it. So damn pissed, dude. Hypey crunk dumb. Sell up motherfuckers, don't know where you is, huh? Manifest your destiny, I manifest mine. Watch up as the hammer dropped up across the line. A hella damn pissed. This is wild west, bitch. You don't damn know. Well, I'm pissed. Yeah, he did. Hella much mad. Yeah, it's all bad. Pissed like I should be about to fight on your hype. Drop hammer down, heavy, loud, crash, thunder, lightning. Super pissed. You know what I'm saying? Do I look like I'm playing? Barely learn to read ass, mama. What's that? Sodium fluoride, that's how we don't talk back. Major 13, Twin Towers collapsed. CIA funded Wikipedia that. Corruption got excuses, they pathetic and weak. Takes strength to have spines, standing up for the meat. So pissed, yeah, heated, and I'm happy as fuck. Press full of shit, punk bitches eat it up. I'm pissed, yeah, heated. Well, I'm pissed, pissed, yeah, heated. Press full of shit, punk bitches eat it up. What the fuck? What the fuck? Let me say it for you easy. When they try to take your gun, better lock and load one. Cause there's greedy motherfuckers. Best believe it, motherfuckers. Straight evil motherfuckers. Should've seen it, motherfucker. Damn. Heaven knows I'm sorry, man, I wish it wasn't true. Proof is in the pudding, man, now what you gonna do? Going round in circles, man, you spinning down the drain. Every motherfucker's gonna be drowning in the rain. In the rain, in the rain, in the rain, in the rain. I tell you what, baby, we got 90 seconds. You know how it is. Let's be real. It's all you, baby, go.
You are listening to Sass, the sassiest show on the planet. I'm the Mystic Man and I'll be your host. Please share the show. Please follow the show wherever platform you are listening to it from. Please bookmark it. Tattoo it on your arm. I had a friend tell me that America will collapse soon, so I should get out of here while I can. I told him, America will not collapse, as it was given and founded as a dedication to God, and the very nature of its spirit is proven in the forever aim of utmost liberty and justice made equal for all. That's important. Sure, the corrupt at heart might brush aside this fact by claiming America was built by slaves, when it was not. Prior to the Civil War, most states had already made slavery illegal. All countries around the world had slavery back then, and took part in slave trade until America, France, and Haiti all rose up at once and were the first to rise and say, no, fuck this shit, even though they were going against the ways of the times and going against the herd, which brought great humility to all the other nations who still to this day live in denial of their slave trading while they blame us. Hypocrisy tends to project. Corrupt at heart might brush aside America's spirit of freedom by claiming reference to the wickedness that has been done by too many of this country's wicked individuals. But those deeds were not done by anything even close to the majority. And would never have been even close to being done if the people were aware of such wicked deeds. Thus, they were done by the wicked in the shadows. During rallies and gatherings of people around the world that have been standing up for liberty, people of those nations have been waving the American flag. Even in Brazil, while citizens have been treated like animals and the innocent are attacked for merely speaking, they wave the American flag next to their own in the crowds. That is because America has become more than a nation. The spirit of freedom has become made home in the hearts of all mankind. We all see that anything less is de-evolution and causal by degenerate and false value structures that are pathetic. Only those lesser than humanity's modern day character is composed of. America has been discovered to be foundation and pillar of virtue within the very essence of man and woman and child. All those who give excuses to shy away from that integrity do not have what it takes to cause the collapse of that integrity, as they fight even against themselves and their true nature in doing so. Nobility goes to honorability, and the dishonorable actions and deeds naturally cannot topple over what only gives honor where it's due, by value and weight. Fraud does not meet reverence, prerequisite. Thus, they cannot afford the price. No one admires self-serving liars. We all admire honorable, righteous conviction. Even on the field of social validation, we win. And that's the only field the evil have right now, and they are losing ground. We need a deterrent. There must be a deterrent to protect the innocent. Every police and military power that we have, we have in order to protect the innocent from harm. That is the purpose of the police and the military. To ensure that the innocent are protected against the wicked, who do not care at all for the well-being of the innocent, and would aim and have aimed and do aim to reap from the deaths and suffering of the innocent. Every human on earth knows what is honorable, and this is proven in that we naturally honor the deeds of the honorable. 
Every human naturally and universally finds wicked deeds of others repugnant, and only doesn't find shame in themselves for it through self-denial and corruption of ethical moral values. We need a deterrent. Protect the innocent. Punish the wicked and corrupt. That is the natural way of mankind. We don't give excuses to corruptibility. There is no justice in sacrificing the innocent. There is no justice in putting the innocent in harm's way. Only evil ever gives excuses to do that. And that has been historic. That should be common sense. And only where it's not common sense in some, that's where we falter. But that right there gives us a tool, a reasonability that we can use to define and to measure just cause. Only those who care about our well-being, only those who care about what happens to us, has any value at all in their opinion when it comes to matters about what happens to us. That's common sense. That is a priori. And we do hold these truths to be self-evident. Those who lack that logic, those who lack the reasonability, and only end up showing themselves as hypocrites, do not have the wisdom for our trust. This is why we have the law. This is why we have the aim for justice and liberty for all. That nature is ingrained in us. Every person on the planet demands this. And the only way that anybody has ever been able to have us relinquish that is through fraud and trickery. If it would not hold up in a just court of law, then it does not hold up at all. The word spinelessness exists for a reason. Have some backbone. Most of us do. Narcissists tend to give themselves an excuse like, anybody would do the same thing in my position, when that's not true at all. Which is why we have the word pathetic. In civil rights, we talk about how a man should be judged by the fabric of his character, not the color of his skin. The same thing could be said about a person's beliefs. You see, a person's beliefs, if they do not measure up to the weight of sincerity and care for the whole and for each individual, then it does not measure up to those who care about the whole and about each individual. Frauds try to manipulate. If there's no deterrent to protect the innocent, then the measure of value of the opinion of those who don't care about that at all equates to worthlessness. What worth is a value of an opinion that doesn't care for my life? We should all only value the opinions of those who actually care. Heck, we should only have people in politics who actually care. Isn't that the entire point? That a person should care if they're going to be put in charge of caring for the whole. Again, you're listening to SASS, and I'm the Mystic Man. Thank you for joining. This episode, I'm going to talk about something a little bit hardcore in a hardcore tone. That's because I believe it's necessary. Some people get so lost in their need to be right that they don't care about the lives of others. And then when they turn up to be wrong, they just say to themselves, Oh well, and give themselves excuses to pamper their self-righteousness. 
fuck those motherfuckers. They need to be fucking scolded. That's what is coming up. If you know people like that, please share this show. Play it for them, whether they want to hear it or not. Play it really loudly, because I've got a lot of scolding to do. Maybe then they could appreciate the importance of consent. There's a joke I saw going around on TikTok where it has an old man saying, and looking like he's complaining at first, saying, My neighbors listen to loud music all the time. Whether they want to or not. And then he plays the music really loud. Have you seen that? Hilarious. And a good idea, too. Turn the volume up. Put it on bass. Put it in your car and roll down the street, down the block, going four miles an hour. Use a speakerphone. Create ads for the show as if you owned it yourself. I don't care. Hell, you could even talk shit about it in the ad. If you're paying for it, why not? By the way, if you've got any ideas for a cool video, or maybe you already have one that you feel needs to be heard, well, I will pay for an ad for it. And that's only because I'm pretty good at what I do. I am certified in ad marketing by Google and Facebook. And I would not mind paying a couple bucks to help advertise you. Right now, times are hard. Perhaps you just want to advertise a political idea. That's fine. I'm registered with Facebook to run political ads. That's fine. I've never really done one, but uh, a political ad, that is. But I don't see why not, you know. And the thing is, is that I feel that the challenge of ideas should be respected. That whole point of debate happening is important if you want to find the truth if you want to claim to say that you know the truth then the debate thing is kind of important people like to shy away nowadays you know they really go into this self-denial and uh, plausible deniability and cringe at being rejected of their ideas and thoughts as if their ideas and thoughts were a part of them when most of the time it didn't even come from them to begin with and were hand-me-down thoughts hand-me-down ideas that were really uh Basically, propaganda. You know, most of the things that people repeat and parrot amongst themselves, it's propaganda. And these things are tools of war. You know that, right? Media has always been a tool of war. It never stopped being that. Ever. All of the things that these people say have always been a tool of war. And they specifically don't talk about things that are specific vulnerabilities to their special interest parties. Every single mainstream media organization besides CBS has at least one board member that is the same board member shared with a vaccine company. That says a lot. That says too much. Maybe if we pay attention to what that says, we'd understand. I tend to think that the people who actually have read a book know what it's about. I tend to think that integrity means the full study of the data. And that is science. That is scientific method. That's why we do science. If you don't have that and you're propagating a belief, a human centipede narrative regurgitated and pulled through your esophagus, well, you know, that's kind of a dangerous thing to do. It's toxic. It's highly toxic. You don't know where that came from. You don't know where it's been. You should know where it's been, though. 
Too many people right now are listening to fake news and just eating it up. Ugh. Say it with me. Ugh. Say it like E-40 does. Ugh. You know, that's, that's probably where it came from. E-40 heard what was going on. He traveled back in time to warn himself, but all that came through was a... Ugh. And he woke up and was like, What was that? And it stuck. Some things are important. Some things are like a message from the universe to us. A preacher once told me, specifically, because that's how it seems, isn't it? Every time you go to church, you're right. The preacher always seems to uh, speak directly to you, as though it's very important. It's kind of like horoscopes, you know, um, as though it's very important just for you. How could it be? That's impossible. It's actually really just uh, common sense. You see, the thing is, is that in a realm based on consciousness, if we have consciousness as the foundation, then we can tell that, of course, the universe would work the very same way a mind works, a brain works. Association associates to associated. Like begets like. A rose does not grow from a thistle. A grape does not grow from a thorn. That's Jesus Christ for you. So in that wisdom, we can look and we can see that if there is a discrepancy in somebody's care, you know, kind of like uh, the politicians who have not cared at all about our lives, and as uh, things are dwindling down, everybody's losing their jobs, suicide rates are up, addiction rates are up, food is scarce as they pay our farmers in order for them to dump and destroy food crops, Millions of businesses are going out of business, and the mandates that are imposed upon us threaten our lives. It's only natural that we should question it, and it's important that we are allowed to question it. But if that allowance is disturbed by an impeding opposition, then that means war. That's by default. That is natural dynamics of it. It is just as much an attack against the people as a bomb. Same thing. Lucky for them we have class and better character. So, please join me in flexing our muscle. Don't believe the media bullshit. The consensus is on our side. All around. The only way they've been able to muffle the consensus is through big tech censorship. So many reporters, I think uh, three mainstream reporters, by the way, have already come forward and stepped forward and given their whistleblowing testimony. I highly suggest going over to Project Veritas and seeing for yourself. Texas A&M College of Medicine has a statewide campus, so I've been a professor of medicine at Texas A&M for about the last 10 years. I'm on the Baylor-Dallas campus now. I'm in a private practice, and I maintain my board certifications in internal medicine and cardiology, but I also lead a research team in downtown Dallas. And uh, when COVID-19 hit, uh, I really redirected all of my focuses towards the pandemic. I recognized that this was going to be a giant challenge for us. We have actually very few infectious disease doctors in the United States. Mm. They were completely subscribed in the hospital. Uh, I am much more of an outpatient-oriented doctor and so I really uh, poured all my efforts into scholarship, 
in the last year on COVID-19. In a sense, I've done a self-directed fellowship in infectious disease. I've published the first treatment guidance on how to treat COVID-19 as an outpatient. These are the most widely utilized publications in all of COVID-19 in the world for outpatient treatment. I've been relied upon by uh, the U.S. Senate to testify in the Senate, the Texas Senate, and to render my opinion. I've been blessed to be a regular contributor on Fox News almost every week now uh, over the, the last several months in the pandemic. So I'm Glad to be here, try to help out the business owners best I can. People have asked me, like, what type of authority do I have to give any opinions in COVID-19? I've said, listen, in my field before COVID came, I was the most published person in my field in the world in history. It has to do, my field is the interface between heart and kidney disease. How do these two organs communicate with one another? I'm the editor-in-chief of cardiorenal medicine, the editor-in-chief of reviews in cardiovascular medicine. I have 600 peer-reviewed publications in the National Library of Medicine. I've lectured all over the world, uh, the New York Academy of Sciences, National Institutes of Health, FDA, I'm considered, I'm kind of on the calling card of someone who has a position of authority in medicine. Since COVID-19, I have over 45 publications in COVID-19. I've published the first two sets of treatment guidance where no one else would step up. I've had the illness myself. I've had serious cases in my family, including fatalities. I think as a single person, I probably have the most authority to give my opinion on what's going on in this pandemic than anyone in the world. And I can tell you the problem with what Americans are seeing on TV right now is they are not seeing doctors like me working in teams of doctors and advising the country. We're down to one or two people that government officials that Americans see on TV, who by the way, are not board certified. They don't have qualifications in doing what they're doing right now. And as singular people, they are issuing not recommendations, not guidance, they're issuing directives. And we're seeing these things come down over time so we can tackle them one by one. That's very, very interesting. So how do you, you've seen some successes last year? Oh, absolutely. Uh, first off, uh, we should probably just tackle five really important points. When this first hit, no one knew what this virus was about, including myself. But, but we do have a year and three months later, we have a framework of understanding. The first important point, the virus spreads from sick person to a well person, period. The virus does not spread from asymptomatic person to asymptomatic. It took months to get these data, paper by Cow out of China, one by Madewell, published in the best journals. It does not spread asymptomatically. If anybody in this room has the virus right now, but they have no symptoms, they can't spread it to us. In fact, they're forming their own immunity. It's asymptomatic spread must be less than 1% of all spread. Okay, because of that, that means that asymptomatic testing, routine testing that people have been subject to was completely useless. Right. In the United States, we've had 35 million cases of COVID. We've actually burned 400 million COVID tests right now. Even the World Health Organization says June 25th, now they're late, June 25th, they said, stop the asymptomatic testing. All this nasal and oral testing was never approved for routine screening. It was never approved for people to get on airplanes or anything else. That was just an overreach. So that's point number one is no asymptomatic spread. Point number two, asymptomatic testing is a complete waste of time. It's not FDA approved. It's not even advised by the World Health Organization. Okay, third point, very important. Natural immunity, once somebody's had the virus, is robust, complete, and durable. You can't get it twice. 
you know, when grandmother had it last year, she's not going to get it again. We've seen it sweep through the nursing homes. It's done. It's a one and done. There is this uh, narrative that people keep getting COVID and over again. But yet when you ask people, no, I've had it and, and I'm done. It's one and done. There's even been challenges where Cleveland Clinic published a study where people had recovered. They went right back and worked with COVID right in their face. You can't get it again. So this idea of it's one and done, natural immunity is robust, complete, and durable. Very important. So if you have workers in your business that have had COVID, they don't have to worry. They're not going to get it again. There's, there's this incredible continuing fear. There are legal demands into the CDC to recognize natural immunity. Even Governor Abbott here in Texas, by executive order in April, has an executive order Natural immunity, we recognize it in Texas by executive order. Isn't that crazy that that's a legal We have to thing. write an executive So yeah. natural immunity, and again, people say, do I have to take the vaccine? Well, of course you don't. You can't get it a second time, okay? So that's the third point. The fourth point is the virus is treatable. That was our work. So we know now that we have uh, an approach. People over 50 who have additional medical problems have a greater than 1% chance of being hospitalized or dying. That's enough to treat. And we have treatment protocols that involve some FDA-approved emergency use authorized antibodies. I can make a phone call. Patients can go right down here to Baylor and get an antibody infusion free of charge. It's wonderful. Oh, wow. America government, we've bought 500 million doses of these monoclonal antibodies, but there's no word of them. You don't see them on TV. There's no way 1-800 numbers. When people get their COVID test results, they're not told how to access these. The, your businesses and your listeners and your and your viewers should know demand an antibody infusion call your hospital and say listen you know my grandmother's sick with COVID-19 I want an antibody infusion now's the time to get activated because your government agencies are not helping you on early treatment we're busting the myth that COVID is not treatable I'm here to tell you it is treatable uh, the key publications I'm the first author American Journal of Medicine of 2020 reviews and cardiovascular medicine in 2020 these are the most cited and utilized and relied upon papers in all of COVID-19 in the world okay for early treatment patients over age 50 with multiple medical problems that's the only group that really needs treatment now a younger person who presents with severe symptoms or a younger person with some problem like cystic fibrosis, sure, they could require treatment. But in general, it's 25% of adults. Uh, seniors ought to demand these monoclonal antibody infusions. President Trump got it. After that, the drugs that work are used in combination and in sequence, and they're based on a, a signal of benefit and acceptable safety. It's so early in the uh, disease process, we don't have proven efficacy and safety. We don't. It's a, a, a signal of benefit, acceptable safety. So what can be used? Hydroxychloroquine, supported by 200 studies. Hydroxychloroquine, you know, countries like us appropriately stockpiled it for a reason. Hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, 60 supportive studies. We combine it with doxycycline or azithromycin. Everybody can use an inhaler, budesonide inhaler. Richard Bartlett was the first to discover this in Texas proven in the UK in the STOIC trial. We can use on day five or pulmonary symptoms, oral prednisone, many, much like how an asthmatic would use or someone mm. with an allergic condition. We use a gout medication for 30 days in higher risk patients called colchicine, one pill a day, proven in a large randomized trial from Montreal Heart Institute 
called cold corona trial, 4,000 patients. We use um, aspirin, 325 milligrams a day because this virus is unique. It causes blood clotting. It's the only viral infection we've ever seen that causes blood clotting, and that's what actually kills patients, is blood clotting. So we use aspirin as a blood thinner, but it's a full adult dose. Higher risk patients, we actually use Lovenox injections just like someone would get for the treatment of a blood clot. That's what's called sequence multidrug therapy. It's all done at home. It's supported by the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, aapsonline.org. Download the home treatment guide, be ready. It's also supported by another group in the United States called the Frontline Critical Care Consortium. They have a little different sets of protocols, but the principles are the same. Now these are well in advance of the CDC, the NIH, or the FDA, or the Infectious Disease Society of America that have yet to publish any outpatient treatment guidelines. What do you think that's all about? They've been focusing on, appropriately so, inpatients. So one of the reasons I wanted to fill this void is how many years are we gonna wait and have Americans suffer before they get any treatment at home? We can even order oxygen concentrators at home with a simple phone call because under the emergency use authorization, we can actually get them out to the home and get people supplemental oxygen. Uh, we've been so successful at this, this has an 85% reduction in the risk for hospitalization and death. I've treated patients well into their 90s and, and we've avoided the panic and the fear and the isolation of the hospital. The contemporary mortality rate in the hospital right now, if someone needs the ICU in the United States, 38%. And that's published by the Stop COVID collaboration out of Harvard. So the point number four is it's treatable. It takes about four to six drugs. Uh, adults who, with uh, mild cases, about five days. Uh, average person our age, about uh, 10 days. Seniors, it could be about 30 days. It's a longer illness. Now, what about people under 50? People under 50, they breeze through COVID. A nutraceutical bundle, which is recommended for everybody, is reasonable. Includes zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, and quercetin helps kind of fortify the nutrition alpha. A younger person develops severe symptoms, they can move into treatment. But we're talking about only 25% of people get COVID need early treatment. It helps them avoid the hospital or, or death. And younger people breeze through this. So that's point number four. Point number five has to do with this contentious issue of the vaccine. And I've rendered my opinion on this multiple times. The vaccines are brand new. They are, a, in the United States, we have Pfizer, Moderna, J&J. &J. They are a brand new technology. They are nothing like a flu shot. Nothing like a flu shot. Right. They actually transfer genetic material inside our cells and they cause our cells to make part of the original virus, the spike protein on the virus. So there's the ball, the nucleocapsid, and the little spines, the spikes. The vaccines kind of trick our body into making the spike protein, and then we have formed an immune reaction to it. The short discussion on the vaccines is that while half of Americans have taken them, for some individuals, the vaccines have not worked out too well no. in terms of being sufficiently safe for human use. Now, obviously, you know, many tens of millions of Americans took it. They had a sore arm. They got through it just fine. People in my family took it. It's not a big deal if there's no complications, but for those who are getting complications, and we're currently at, as of today, the CDC has told us, we're at 12,000 Americans that have died after the vaccine. 86% of the time, independent reviewers have determined the vaccine caused the death, and that 50% of the deaths occur within 48 hours, 80% of the deaths occur within a week, and it's a modern day tragedy. We've never had any medical product ever in the history of mankind result in 
12,000 American deaths. We have 400,000 certified vaccine injuries right now due to the vaccine along the lines of neurologic, cardiac, immunologic, or hematologic abnormality. So that, that's about the size of a medium-sized city right now of people who have vaccine injuries. So there's great concern mm -hmm. as we move forward that the vaccines look like they don't have a safety profile to be the solution to the problem. I'm and hearing that, that's, that it's more in this short period of time than over the last 15 years of VAERS data. Right, so what we know is that the number of deaths has exceeded um, the cumulative total, even reported into the data system uh, for all time. Uh, just to give you an idea, we have 70 vaccines on the market, about 500 million shots, roughly. I had two this year, I had shingles and flu. You know, everyone gets vaccines. That um, 500 million shots, 70 vaccines, the average number of deaths that would be reported into the database was about 150 or so. On January 22nd, we are already at 186 with the COVID-19 deaths. And as I told you, as we sit here today, we've already raced up to 12,000 deaths. It's an astronomical number. Almost everybody knows somebody who either died or has been injured with the vaccines now. People are talking. And Americans are worried that our federal officials have not come clean on safety. There's still, we have not had a press briefing on overall vaccine safety. Can you imagine that? We should have probably weekly briefings or at least monthly briefings because we want to make sure the program is safer. There may be certain people who shouldn't get the vaccine. For instance, COVID recovered. You can't get COVID a second time. If they took the vaccine and they've already been revved up from their first infection, are they the people who are getting the complications? We don't know because our agencies have not fairly disclosed things. Is it among diabetics? Is it among patients with prior neurologic or cardiac disease? No one knows because our agencies, and the, this is a terrible word to say on the air, but the, the correct word is malfeasance. It's wrongdoing by those in position of authority. And so that's what we're having right now. Just like the trusted news service is pre-stated censorship, we now have malfeasance by our government agents on safety. The second update on the vaccines is that while half of Americans t take them and have taken them, and we want every, we wish every single person well, we have deeply concerning reports now out of the United Kingdom and out of Israel that the vaccines are failing. And what I mean by that is the virus has mutated and the current version is called Delta. That's our most recent version in the United States. It's now the predominant version. And the mutations are occurring because we're vaccinating. And there is a paper from the Mayo Clinic in Boston by Neeson and colleagues that have shown when we get to 25% of the population vaccinated, the virus starts to mutate. It's actually gonna to try to escape the effect of the vaccine. So now the Delta variant has escaped the effect of for sure the Pfizer vaccine, because we know in Israel now, 80% of people have had COVID in Israel right now have been fully vaccinated with Pfizer. So Dr. Bacola, I've had COVID about four months ago. And from everything that I'm hearing, I probably should wait and see what happens with regard to the shots and where they're going to lead because it doesn't sound like, A, number one, I'm not gonna get it again, and number two, we're in this sort of no man's land. Well, I, as I've mentioned, when the case is well-defined, you've had it, you had the characteristic signs and symptoms, you had a positive PCR or antigen test, and the case is well-defined, there has actually never been reported so far in the world a second case. 
Now, the difficulty is when the first case is not well-defined, you didn't get a test or you're not really sure, there's a lot of uncertainty, and an analysis by Merchu and colleagues has taken uh, analyses of 11 studies, 615,000 individuals, even with an ill-defined case in a population, and looked at a year later what happened. The risks of COVID, even in not-so-clear cases like yours, the risk of COVID was 0.2%. So what I'm telling you, it's infinitesimally low. It's so low that in my view, one doesn't need to be worried about COVID-19. I've had it myself. I don't, uh, I don't um, go through my day in fear. Uh, I could encounter a patient with COVID-19 and I know I can't get the virus. I know the vaccine can't benefit me. In fact, the FDA, CDC, Moderna, and J&J &J excluded people like you and me from the clinical trials, they knew we couldn't get COVID-19. I thought we were the clinical trial. No, the cl registration of clinical trials had exclusion criteria. There's very important. COVID recovered, suspected COVID recovered, pregnant women, women of childbearing potential, even people with positive antibodies. They were excluded because the FDA knew we couldn't benefit and we would only be harmed by the vaccine. In fact, they were right. COVID recovered patients in three studies, Methudius, Raw, and... Um, and uh, uh, Kammer have shown us that COVID recovered patients, when they take the vaccine, which they don't need, they actually have higher side effects, including ending up with something serious in the hospital. So I've told America, a prior COVID infection is a contraindication to getting the vaccine. You should not get the vaccine. And it's sad to say that right now in America, in the world, about 25 to 30% of people taking the vaccine have already had COVID. So the vaccine can't help them at all. It can only hurt them. And we had another question. For the small businesses and schools, my daughter's at, she's going to elementary, or no, middle school. The, the mask wearing and the argument against that being effective. So for, for us, we don't believe that the masks shields the virus so um, and then with CDC requiring that we wear masks or some businesses or schools they used to and I'm, I'm fearful that they'll do it again um, and they're not effective so what are there any suggestions or do you see any light at the end of the tunnel with building an argument against that um, for those who go to legal counsel to try to argue their rights um, I'm trying to figure out how else to ask that more clearly, but what what rights do we have? Okay, so let's just go through masks. Uh, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, uh, our public health response for months was absolutely s focused, unnecessarily so, on masking. And I think if we would have taken the focus off masks and actually focused on treatment, treating sick people, we would have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. And I think masks and, and having masks morning, noon, and night on TV commentary, our federal officials, which they probably had innumerable press briefings on the mask. Can you imagine we haven't had a single press briefing on vaccine safety? And we're asking people to take these vaccines, but yet we've had a million press briefings on the mask. Well, here's a couple points. The virus is about one micron in size. The mask filters out three microns, even the really good ones. So the virus moves in and out of the mask very easily. That's number one. 
There have been 12 randomized trials. That's our gold standard, including most recently the Dan Mask trial, showing public masking has no benefit. In Dallas, we've had a natural experiment. We had our Dallas Independent School District shut down. Parochial schools didn't. We never had any school outbreaks. There's never been any school outbreaks across the United States. There's never been a credible case of a student giving the virus to a teacher. It's never happened. Pulling the kids out of school and making the kids wear masks retrospectively was a complete and total waste of time. Those of you who have college students, and I'm kind of in that age range too, I had a college student in my office the other day, and he was being seen for a cardiac problem, and I asked him, I said, how was college like at University of Texas? He goes, well, it was kind of boring in the day. We didn't have classes. We were on WebEx. I said, what, ha what happened after that? Oh, we played basketball. We went out. We went to the bars, and we socialized, and we dated. It was like, well, then what's the purpose? I mean, the whole idea of school and having the kids out of school was completely counterproductive. So what you need to know about masks, I'm a doctor. I'm a cardiologist and internist. Do I wear a mask at a hospital? Sure, I do. Do I wear a mask in the cath lab or go in the operating room? Sure. How about dentists? How about barbers? People working at close contact? Not because of COVID so much, but if you have a big cough or sneeze, the last thing you want to do is sneeze on somebody. So I think masks are here to stay for people who work at close contact. We did see a reduction in influenza last year, and, and it's almost out of common courtesy. So I don't mind it so much. Uh, in the medical environment. But public masking under no circumstances at this point in time should move forward. Parents should know their rights. Uh, there are child psychologists, not my area, but are telling me they're worried that the kids are not gonna develop correctly because they can't read each other's faces, they can't understand uh, a perceptive that's human emotion. That's our suspicion. Um, yeah. There are data suggest that actually the, the, the bacterial and fungal pathogens that are nasopharyngeal tract are actually trapped in the masks, that it's not a good hygiene. And we've seen things carried to the extreme. You know, people running track races, wearing a mask and keeling over, people swimming with masks on, people wearing masks, driving alone in the car. The masks have basically become to symbolize our fear, and I think we just need to, to put it down. Do we have any other questions? Yeah, so <clears throat> you talk a lot about um, malfeasance, and uh, we keep hearing the word misinformation, and certain bodies that we didn't elect are labeling uh, certain things that people like you were saying as misinformation, and now it's coming out that that was wrong. Uh, there's been a lot of harmful effects from this malfeasance and mislabeling and censor, censoring of um, quote-unquote misinformation. I think a lot of people want to know what can be done about this, and I think a lot of people are questioning if there's an agenda behind this. Uh, and maybe, maybe not, but at the end of the day, there's been some harm and malfeasance, as you say. So what can be done about this to the people who, who carried on the mis, uh, the, the mis misinformation uh, labeling and, uh, and, and the malfe mal malfeasance? It's one of the reasons why I'm sitting right in front of you is that I've been so careful to cite the literature. I may be the first person who told you about the Trusted News Initiative. This was actually out there. You can go type it in on your browser and your phone. It'll read Trusted News Service. It's basically an overt censorship program. The medical director of YouTube has said publicly, we're not gonna fairly post things. We are gonna filter things out. We're gonna squash anything on early treatment and we're gonna squash anything on vaccine safety in order to promote the vaccine. That's what this is all about. It's very overt. People shouldn't be 
shouldn't be upset about this. They're the ones creating the rules. What's not fair to Americans, though, is if our Center for Disease Control has got 400,000 safety reports, 12,000 Americans who have died after the vaccine, and they're stonewalling us on safety with no press release, press uh, briefing. That's what I call malfeasance. And there's no secret where I, the current head of our National Allergy and Immunology Division is being fried in front of the U.S. Senate with interrogation about his role in all of this. Americans have not seen teams of qualified doctors uh, working in teams, coming up with fair decisions. They're not seeing competent board-certified doctors who are experienced in treating COVID. When I testified in the U.S. Senate, I was on the majority uh, presentation. I was the lead witness in the November 19th uh, U.S. Senate, has really now historic Senate hearings. The minority witness went on for two hours trying to rebut me, and finally Senator Johnson asked him a question. He said, doctor, have you ever treated a COVID patient? And then you could hear a pin drop. He goes, no, I've never treated a COVID patient. Now, what is this media doctor who's testified in the U.S. Senate? He's never even seen a COVID patient, let alone treat a COVID patient, opining. So I think Americans need to draw a hard line with what they're listening to. And you know what? That's the reason why they're seeking out people like me. I'm just trying to give you fair information. I don't want to have to do this, but right now our agencies are not helping us and the media, the major media, is absolutely blindsiding patients and, and individuals. In fact, giving wrong information and business owners are, are, are now uh, stuck. So we, what business owners should have learned a lot of things. We don't have to do asymptomatic testing. With people uh, at schools, what do we have to do for schools? If the kids are sick, keep them at home. Don't send a sick kid to school. Do you know, I'm at Baylor. I go into work every day in the hospital. Do you know I've never had a test done for work ever? Do you know that when I got COVID-19 myself, I called human resources. I said, what do I need to do? Do I need to get a test before I go back? She goes, are you kidding? She goes, these tests stay positive for, for 90 days afterwards because they are cranking up the sensitivity of the test. She goes, no, just if your fever's gone, as long as your cough is manager, we'll come back to work. I said, wow. When I testified in the Texas Senate, March 10th of this year, I had to go through this complicated army tent and I had to go through this asymptomatic testing in an army tent before I went in the Texas Senate building. And when I got on the floor, I testified to the Department of Health and Human Services. I said, this is a Senate building. Everybody here is well. Why am I being tested and I'm not tested at the hospital where I wouldn't come in contact with sick people? You can see things are not, decisions are not being made even based on common sense. Everyone would know a hospital is a higher risk environment than the Texas Senate building. Welcome to SAS. It's been a while. I know I haven't done an episode in forever. For good reason, too. I had my YouTube channel deleted on me. Just like happened to millions of others, of course. I guess that's what you get for telling the truth. You know, if it was a lie, or if it was over a lie, or over false information, then I'd understand. And if the mainstream media could be held to the same standards without us giving up our freedom of speech, then yeah, I'd understand. But since that's not the case, I highly disagree with their hypocrisy. In quoting a document from the American Center for Law and Justice, titled, Can Anything Be Done to Hold the Media Accountable Without Encroaching on Free Speech? It's a very short document, it's only two pages long, 
And the uh, document first goes on to explain how, sure, yeah, if uh, if they're guilty of slander or libel, then yes, then they are liable. But on the second page, and the final paragraph, it says, and I quote, Although the media has an ethical duty to report accurate and truthful stories, there is no legal duty to do so. Does this mean that the media can essentially create fake news? Yes, and that is exactly what is happening, end quote. Again, that is from the American Center for Law and Justice, so how about that? They can lie about anything. They do lie about everything. And it says so right here, quoted by the American Center for Law and Justice, that yes, that is exactly what is happening. How about that? This just in, now five African nation presidents have been assassinated after saying publicly that they will not be vaccinating their people. Oh, what's that? We're not supposed to say that? Oh, whoops. My bad. People like to joke and call it a rabbit hole, when the truth is, it's about as deep as surface level. There is no digging. These criminals don't hide a thing, ever. This is why we all knew Fauci had paid the Wuhan Institute of Virology to do the gain-of-function research a whole year before the FOIA request for his emails was even submitted. They rub it in our faces and laugh the same way that a book named The Titan was published 10 years prior the Titanic sinking, but the Titanic sinking of the same dimensions as the Titanic and sinking in the exact location it sank in, and by hitting an iceberg. Imagine if conspiracy meant to plan a crime, and to theorize it meant to investigate a possible crime. God forbid we be foolish enough to mock such a thing and let the worst of crimes done by the worst of criminals, freely pluck from all of us whatever they wish. We might as well offer up our wives, mothers, and daughters to be raped by them if, when they're raped, we will only narcissistically deny the crime ever happened to our loved ones and protect the wicked who did the crime. So this goes out to all you who mock conspiracy theorists. All of you... Frontline NPCs, which stands for non-playable character. You know, all those characters in those video games that just kind of bumble around, doing whatever the program tells them to. For all you who listen to the news as if the news is fact and whatever they say is the truth alone. Well, this one's to you. Let's see how far I can guess this clear as day. 1. You know nothing about viruses. Nothing about what they are or what they do, and you probably think that they have eyes and sharp teeth and are coming to get you, like the cartoon media dictates. I could liter literally say the scientific consensus for the past hundred years, which still stands, and you would writhe in denial and call me crazy in complete projection of your own denial of how uncomfortable your lack of knowledge has left you. No offense. I'm not insulting. I'm describing. 2. You have no idea what a vaccine is. 
You've never read a package insert in your life, and you have no idea what any of the ingredients are, and you never will, because you run in fear of looking while you mock those with the integrity to look, since it is a projection of your own shame and how you lack integrity. This is why you claim to, quote, follow the science, end quote, since you specifically don't, and couldn't quote or name a single scientist, except for maybe Fauci, if he qualifies, like your pillow has on it. 3. You've never had informed consent to be able to give it. You never will. You brush all responsibility as a man or adult woman, such as the responsibility of protecting your loved ones, by claiming others to do it for you. When thanks to 42 U.S. Code 300AA-22, they don't have to give a damn, since the manufacturers cannot be sued, no matter how many are harmed or how many die. They have complete blanketed legal liability protection. 4. You believe the mainstream media gives facts and tells you the news. It's okay, I used to believe the same thing too. Before this all happened, I told my dad once, If it's not on the news, then it's not true and didn't happen. Huh. Yeah, right. My dumbass. There are no laws that say they have to tell us the truth. They can lie all they want, and in fact, do lie all the time. Every news organization besides CBS shares at least one board member with a vaccine organization. If that doesn't say conflict of interest, then we might as well let China give us the only genetic sequencing of the COVID-19 virus that we have through data uploaded onto computer and take their word for it while never having a isolated sample. Kind of like how the requests to the CDC and the WHO for a physical sample keep getting responses of, we don't have a physical sample, when supposedly it's everywhere. Everything in this testimony by David Martin, which you can read by going to sassy.tips slash david martin. That's sassy, S-A-S-S-Y, dot tips, T-I-P-S, slash david, D-A-V-I-D, dash Martin, M-A-R-T-I-N. We all had known since last year. If any of it is news to you, then that says a lot for your informed consent. 5. You've never looked up the VAERS reports. Probably don't even know what that even stands for. It's amazing how people still even follow the mainstream media at this point, or even still alive. I'm surprised the mainstream media is script readers, because remember... They read from a teleprompt, literally scripted. Oh, and six. And this is the worst part. How simple it is that I can tell, everybody can tell on my side of the fence, that when you are sitting there, standing there, with nothing to say while we're talking to you, with sincerity, with information, with proof, with citation, with understanding of what's going on and understanding by historical events in sequence. And you're not saying anything. We can tell what you're thinking. You are thinking that it's pointless to say anything because we'll never listen. Right? No matter what you say. But that's an ironic projection. Well, how do we know that that's what you're thinking? Well, because that's what you're doing. 
You see, the thing is, is that you don't know any information to give. You don't have any information to give. You don't know a damn thing about what's going on. You like to think you do, because all you do is listen to the news. The fake news media that has no law that says they have to tell the truth. And so you don't say anything, because you want to assume, to cover up to yourself, to hide from yourself the fact that you don't know shit. You see, the difference is, is that when you know you're right, and you are right, you let it be known. And that's how it goes. As information is to light, and knowledge is to light, understanding is to light, light shines in all directions. One does not hide a lantern under a bushel. One holds it up high for all to see with. That is natural law. That is universally human law. You see, shame tries to hide, but pride stands up tall. If you're not standing up tall, and you're not trying to be heard, there's clear proof in the pudding that you should be ashamed. And that's why you're ashamed, too ashamed, to speak up. Just hit a button, Morty, give me a beat. Oh man, okay, alright, um... That's because you're shooting it the wrong direction. no ammo. And the thing is, is that we want you to challenge us. We want you to start trying. We all used to be on your side of the fence. All of us. When you join our side, which you will if you have integrity, if you have integrity, you'll look at the science. No, 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 not the blogs. I don't give a fuck how fucking much scientific words the article page has that you don't understand the damn thing of. Read the science papers and look up everywhere that you don't understand. That's it. You see, the thing is, is that science papers, peer-reviewed science papers, that's a big difference than a uh, organization like the media, which doesn't have to tell the truth at all. Read the science papers, damn it. You will join our side. That's how it goes. And nobody's gonna be laughing at you or making fun of you at all. Because we were all there too. Look at it. Everybody on my side of the fence used to be on your side. That says a lot. In fact, that says it all.
If you didn't know, you've been listening to SASS, the sassiest show on the planet. I'm the Mystic Man. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. Please share this episode if you liked it. Share it if you didn't like it. And tune in next time. I've got a new co-host, Adam the First. I call him the first. Because I'm pretty sure he was the first. And he might be the last because it's been said that the first will be the last. And he seems like a cool dude. I really dig him. And I think that we vibe very well together. I know if you've uh, been following my show long, I don't usually last with co-hosts. It hasn't been a, a very easy thing for me it sucks you know um generally i get into a lot of arguments and uh that's fine and that's good and that's needed it sucks being me for that sense though i don't know what the fuck is wrong with me why can't i stop you know um but this guy seems cool and you know um yeah I dig where his where his uh, his aim is at. He seems like he sincerely gives a fuck about things, and he doesn't give a fuck about the stupid things that people shouldn't give a fuck about. So, yeah, um, I might have him on the show doing uh, episodes all by himself too. Sometimes that would be cool. And I hope you tune in and you catch us. Definitely catch that episode next time on SASS.